the Everyman Everyman Podcast. Get tons of energy from that song, man. Just it's a good, you know what? It's a good song. It's a good, it's a good day. It's Wednesday. Another week, another pod here yeah, in the Cosmic Canoe. Mm-hmm. I am Brother mm-hmm. Jay. And to I'm my, DC. Am I, I'm not Brother DC. I'm no, just you're DC, just DC. Right? You're just DC. DC. Brother DC. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. That's a whole yeah. nother podcast right there. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Whole nother podcast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man. Listen, we're here. It's uh, dude. It's autumn. Autumn. It's autumn. You know what I'm saying it's that confidently autumn. because this podcast is coming out in autumn. In autumn. Welcome. Welcome to the autumn of the every man. <laughs> Summer crushed it. Autumn crushing it. Yeah, I mean, we're just getting started here. Uh, you know, we said it at the top of the new year. You know, 2020 was going to be the year of the Everyman. Um, Absolutely, it has yeah. been for the first nine months of it, and mm-hmm. uh, we will round the bases all the way out as we slide into our 100th episode at mm-hmm. the beginning of 2021. And let me tell you something, brother. Yeah, I'm pumped up. I am pumped up as well. I'll tell you, I'm pumped up for that. I'm pumped up also because, you know, today we've got a very, you might say, elite guest here on the Everyman Podcast. Uh, You know, first first time I've had the absolute pleasure to connect with uh, quarterback Matt McGloin. First time we've had a professional quarterback on the podcast. That's right. Professional quarterback and you know that always reminds me of the great film flash gordon um where they say who who are you and he goes flash gordon quarterback new york jets you know sometimes i'll just say that and people stare at me like i'm an asshole Mm. um but i would say that if if i was matt mcgloin i would say matt mcgloin quarterback of your heart you know what i mean yeah there you go Quarterback um, of the everyman. Quarterback of the everyman. Yeah, I mean, absolute everyman, absolute uh, gen- gentlemanly guest. Uh, you know, we we dove deep into you know what it was like playing in the XFL, what it was like, kind of that whole you know new experience. So we we dive into wrestling a little bit. Matt's a big lifelong mm-hmm. wrestling fan, and uh, we we kind of just cut it up about life in the NFL and life life as a professional football player. And we get into some really cool. Stuff, some awesome conversation where we, you know, I learned a whole bunch of stuff about playing quarterback today that I never would have thought of. Like, like the whole thing for Matt is it's coming from his legs. I'm thinking, hey, is coming it coming from, from the legs. Sh- coming from the shoulders? Is it coming from the hip? You know, what are we doing here? Yeah. It turns out yeah. for for this for the man here, you know, coming from the legs, got to have that balance, legs. and it makes total core. makes total sense. And yeah. um, just just one of those podcasts where I have to I have to give myself a little pinch because it's like, man, here I am. Yeah. In the Cosmic Canoe with my brother DC and Matt McGloin, yeah. quarterback, XFL. Dude, and speaking NFL. of that, we're also, you know, making that connection too. You always talk about it all the time about communication. Mm. You communicated we got Matt McGloin, first quarterback on the Everman podcast, professional, and he also has his own podcast with his bros. That's so, right. And he's got his own podcast called The Underrated Hour, which is available everywhere podcasts are available. And let me tell you something, I'm not just saying this because he's our guest this week. I've listened to several episodes. And I enjoy it, and I have subscribed to it, and I highly recommend you do the same. So if you're checking out the Everyman Podcast and you come to us by way of the Underrated Hour, welcome to the Cosmic Canoe. I hope you enjoy our time with your boy here. If not, and you're one of our you know, loving patrons here in the Cosmic Canoe, and you're like, hey, I got, I've got an extra hour this week, 
check out the underrated hour on Apple podcasts. The link is in the show notes here. You just swipe up, show more info. Booyah. There it is. Yeah. Like that. Booyah. Yeah. Well, you know, shout out to cyborg. Booyah. You know know what I'm saying? I know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I know, you know what I'm saying? Um, But look, we could do this all. We could literally do this all night. Let's get to our interview with quarterback Matt McGloin. Already there. Joining us today on the Everyman Podcast is the definition of an everyman. He hails from the mighty Scranton, Pennsylvania. He was a walk-on at Penn State where he would go on to break the records for career touchdown passes, single-season completions, and passing yards. He made his way to the NFL as an undrafted free agent where he spent time with the Oakland Raiders, Houston Texans, Philadelphia Eagles, and Kansas City Chiefs. Most recently, we saw him suit up for my XFL New York Guardians for the most exciting half-season of football man has ever known. You can catch him on his podcast weekly, The Underrated Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure... Matt McGloin. Matt, what's up, bro? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited about it. Man, nice. we're pumped. And I, I tell you, I said I, I reached out to you on Twitter a couple weeks ago. I said I was listening to your show, and I saw it. I was like, hey, you know what? Sometimes I'm just, I just go with the flow, you know? And I'm like, you know, let me fire off a message here. And it's like, oh, boop. Hey, let's do it. I'm like, all right, we're doing it. I text Daryl. I'm like, Daryl, McGloin's coming on the show. He's like, fantastic. This is great. Let's do it. Because, you know... Right off the bat, you know, this is a Pennsylvania-based podcast, and, you know, I'm a Bucks County boy, and um, number one, you know, you're, you're putting PA on the map here in, in, in the new era. This is great. You know, you're like, uh, you've got to be one of the best athletes Pennsylvania's ever produced, my man. I like to think I put Scranton on the map, but I think the office aired before my career took off. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, you and Michael <laughs> Scott are the big two exports so. of uh, Scranton. But, uh, but no, man, you know, it's exciting, you know, being from, you know, Pennsylvania, a lot of great football in Pennsylvania. So, um, you know, coming from Scranton, um, a lot of great athletes in this area, you know, and I think, uh, that's just so much of who I am, you know, that mentality that, uh, you know, bring your lunch pail, go to work every day, chip on your shoulder, Oh yeah. you know, just embracing the grind, um, you know, for me, I think that's what being a Pennsylvania football player, that's what being uh, a football player from Scranton is all about. So, uh, you know, um, when I think back about my career, um, you know, uh, I, th- I think how fortunate and blessed I am to to have been from Northeastern Pennsylvania. Because um, like I said, man, it, uh, you know, th- those characteristics um, and just that, learning how to play hard-nosed football, tough football um, is, uh, you know, is from this area. So, you know, really lucky and, you know, it's home. You know, we, we, my wife and I, we live here now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great area. It really is. It is. And you know what? I've spent, I've spent a little bit of time. Uh, my fiance is from the Poconos. Uh, we were just up that way this, this past weekend. And we spent a lot of time kind of in that uh, Carbon County area. And, um you know, in Scranton, what, what, what is it called? The, where the train, the train works thing, the uh, steam town. Yeah. Yeah. The steam town mall, steam town mall. Listen, everybody listen to this podcast, find your way to Scranton, head, head, head to the steam town mall, check out the choo choos. It's a good time. It's beautiful, beautiful little spot. Um, but you know, it, it, 
I'm looking, I always do a little deep dive into, into our guests kind of career. And, um, you know, you're one of those guys who you were like Mr. Sports in school. Like you were like the best baseball player, the best basketball player, the best football player. And then somehow you still weren't really like, you know, desired by a lot of schools to do any, the one thing you wanted to do, which was, you know, play quarterback, you know, at the next level. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm so amazed at the idea of, of the walk-on, you know, and for you to kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to get into a whole, that's a whole nother podcast, but for you to come into a team and, you know, in a time of adversity and then also be a walk-on and then also not really be expected to do much, if anything. And now, you know, all my, all my best friends, um, you know, were at Penn State when right as this was going on so like my boys at home they're very excited that you know we're having this conversation because it's like you're like you're like this kind of you know i don't want to say legendary figure but like you you have this kind of like mystique about you because of that time and like your 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 story you know um and and just throughout your career there's been like well, he's just a walk-on. He's just the this. He's just the third string. He's just that, and you always find a way. So, like, what do you what do you credit that to? Is that uh, is that that McGloin magic? You know, I think what's unfortunate um, is that you get labeled as a walk-on. You know, when you are a walk-on, you know, and even when I entered scholarship one year after I was on campus at Penn State, but yet even in my fifth year, when I was a starting quarterback for Bill O'Brien in Penn State. You know, there'd be articles and they would still say former walk-on quarterback. <laughs> you know, you just, you, for some reason, you can't seem to kick that. And I never looked at myself as a walk-on. You know, I hated that term. I didn't like it. You know, I looked at myself as a Penn State football player. You know, there's, the only thing that separated me from the guys that were being recruited by Penn State was that they were scholarship guys. I wasn't. But, the, you know what I mean? The work was still the same. Studying film, studying the playbook. You know, lifting weights, conditioning drills, practice, it's all the same. I mean, what's different is that you don't get as many opportunities. So you need to make the most of your opportunities on a daily basis. You may get one or two reps. They, need to, they may need to be the best one or two reps that, you know, you've had all day. And, you know, the same thing with the NFL, being undrafted. You know, the opportunities are less. So I was always somebody that just – tried to stay the course. Um, I prepared as best I could, and I believed that an opportunity would present itself. And when an opportunity presented itself, I could make the most of it. You know, that was just kind of always my mentality. Um, and I think believing in myself was big in it too, because I walk out on the field and you don't necessarily compare yourself to the guys around you, but I guess in so many ways you do, if that makes sense. Cause when, you know, I walk on the field for the first time and I'd see somebody throw, I'd be like, I'm better than him. I'd see another guy throw, I'm better than him. And I would know it immediately. And uh, it just gave me confidence and it just allowed me to attack every single day, embrace the grind and know that I was going to get a chance to play. And I think one of the most important things that gets underlooked is consistency is can you do it every single day? Can you be that same person every single day? And it sounds simple, but it's hard to do. It really is. And a lot of guys can't do that. And, uh, you know, I just found a way to, you know, like I said, be consistent and improve every day and kind of force the coaching staff to say, you know what, we got to give this guy a chance. Got to make it hard on him, man. You got to make it hard on him. 
Uh, can you talk about just the difference between edge and ego? And the reason I say that is because we had a guy at Notre Dame by the name of Jeff Samarja. He will he walked on, but I'm gonna tell you what, when he got out there, he slashed everybody on the defense. You know what I mean? He played tight end, and I'm telling you, he went nuts when it came not just practice, but 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 game day. It, it's it's and you say consistency. Can you talk a little bit more about the type of mental edge you have to hit, have that's different than ego, like bigger than life, but simple, just consistent thought process. I'm going to win the day. I'm going to win the down. Because when we watch you play in the XFL, when we watch you play, period, you got some fucking shit to you. And I, I think I think there, that goes a long way, man. Yeah, you know, and I think for me, you know, starting off my career as a walk-on and then going to be an undrafted guy in the NFL, um, you know, I don't mind saying that I was a self-promoter because I had to be. Because there was no one at the time in those early days that was going to say, you know, this guy's got talent, this guy's got ability, he's got potential, he can be the future quarterback here one day. Nobody was saying that. Nobody knew who the hell I was. I'm pretty sure in the first few weeks at Penn State, they didn't even know I was part of the team. <laughs> so, you know, in so many ways, you know, I would make a throw and I would say, I'm going to do that all day. That ball's going to be there all day. You know what I mean? And guys see that. They see it every single day. Now, you can say that stuff. But if you're not making good throws, you're not making the right decisions, you know, you can't walk in the huddle, spit the play out, and get up to the line of scrimmage and do the right thing, guys aren't going to believe in you. But if you're talking and you're talking and you're complimenting guys and you're communicating with guys and you know what you're doing, they see that. Teammates see everything. You know, it takes the coaches a little while to see it. But, you know, just, just thinking about my days at Penn State and, you know, even my, my early years in Oakland, I had – gain the respect from the teammates around me. They had confidence in me. And I think that just made it so much easier for me to play. And, you know, it wasn't something that just happened. You know, like I said, I was anxious to learn. You know, I love talking with guys, love communicating with guys. Um, but like I said, at the same time, if I made a good throw, you were going to, you were going to know. About it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you bring up your time in the XFL there, Daryl. And so, it's funny, again, the Cosmic Canoe brings everybody together. And, you know, we were there. Daryl wasn't there, but my, my best friend Joe Spina, shout out to Joe, who was, he's a Penn State guy. He's, he's very excited to uh, check this pot out. And um, so we, we're, we get to the, to the game early. We've got the press passes. We're down on the sidelines. And we're, like, in the end zone right by the DJ. And, like, two things stood out to me. One was Darius Victor, just a f- fucking human cannonball and i was watching him i'm like man if he gets going it's gonna be hard to stop um and we actually he was on the show here he was, he was a guest and uh shout out to shout out to big Vito. um but uh and yourself and we're standing there watching you warm up and I, we could hear you talking you know and talking with with the fans and like you know before we got on the show today, Matt, you and I were talking about how those experiences kind of changed my perception of, of not only professional football, but just how media covers it and stuff. Because I'm down there and I'm hearing now for the first time, like, what's kind of go- – I'm like 10 feet away from you guys. You're doing your – you know, working on your offense, like in the in the end zone. And you're, you've got everybody's attention. You've got – there was a camaraderie. There was a real team atmosphere. And I, I turned to Joe and I'm like, dude, this is going to be good. Like, like we could tell – because we were on the, on the field and we're watching everybody warm up. We're watching the players interact. 
the the camaraderie the fans were like the fans were yelling shit at you guys like they knew where everybody went to college and like there was some like real classic lunatics that i love you know what i mean uh, speaking as a wrestling fan which we'll get to um but you know before the game you you came out you cut up like a promo and and me and Joe are in the press box. We're like, dude, this is going to be fucking great. Like everything about it. We're like, this is perfect. Like it's a, it's, it's different than the NFL, but it's got people we recognize and we love. And there's something different going on. And like before anything even happened, there was just so much exciting shit going on. And then you cut that promo and I'm thinking like, man, I don't know how it's going to get any better. You know? What was going through your head like when you saw some of those kind of changes that they brought to the game? Because obviously, like we said, yeah. like you're still going to be a professional and you're going to inspire your team and lead like you were. But then they're going to be like, hey, Maddie, take the stick, get out there, cut a promo. Like, how does that how does that work? <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't get much better for me after that week one. <laughs> but uh but no, like it was exciting, man. You know, just I, I felt really good about it. Um, you know, I, it, it's funny too, because I had always told myself that I wouldn't play anywhere other than the NFL. Um, you know, and that, again, that isn't, that's not a knock on anything else. There is a lot of great leagues out there. There's a lot of great ways to get, get to the NFL. There's a lot of great, you know, routes to take after the NFL. Um, but my goal for as long as I can remember was to get to the NFL. And when I had that goal and then, you know, once the Chiefs released me and I kind of knew that was it in the NFL, you know, and I knew the XFL was starting up again, it was, I had to think about it for a while because it was like, well, I'm, am I going to be as driven as I was? Am I going to be as excited as I am? Am I going to be as emotional as I was, you know, playing in the NFL? Um, am I going to want it as bad? And, you know, I did. And that's the, that's the reason why I went, and signed to play for the XFL because I wanted to get back to the NFL. And anybody that tells you that, you know, they were playing in the XFL just to play in the XFL and not to get back to the NFL is lying. <laughs> uh, because like I said, that was my goal. I wanted to go out and prove that I still had something left in the tank that I could still play at a high level. Um, you know, and that, that I was still a good quarterback. I was still capable of, of leading the team and, you know, the opportunity to work with Kevin Gilbride um, was, was huge for me. Um, and, uh, you know, had training camp throughout December, training camp in January. I felt good, you know, throwing the ball well, and then, you know, running out in that tunnel. And like you said, you know, taking the mic and addressing the crowd, man, all those emotions and, and everything that, everything that you feel right before a game and leading up the game, it was all there, man. So I felt great. I really did. Um, it was an exciting time. Um, as a player, you knew, you knew the XFL was going to be different, but, you know, they were so, I guess this time around, more focused on trying to make it about football, um, that that's what caught my attention as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, that, that was an exciting time, you know, kicking off the season in New York at MetLife. We had a great crowd, a lot of family and friends were there. Um, you know, and I was telling you this a little bit before the podcast, um, you know, my wife and I, we have an 18-month-old, so having the opportunity to play in front of him, was, uh, you know, the, the best accomplishment of my career. Um, didn't, does not get better than that. Um, I know he's not going to remember it, you know, but, yeah, but you guys will, I will remember it, man. We got some nice pictures. Um, 
which was fantastic. So it was a great day. Um, and it was great to, to, to win, you know? Um, but, and I appreciate the opportunity that, that Vince McMahon and the XFL had gave me to be a part of, of that league, if only for a short time. You know, you, you brought the man up and I have this, you know, I like to visualize things. Okay. And one of the things on my big board, my big visualization board is, is, is a podcast with, with Vince McMahon, because I think he is, I think he's an American treasure. I think he's an icon and I think he's a one of a kind genius that will never be appreciated until he's long been gone. And like, we are all a party to this gentleman's madness. And, and when you think about like the things he's done and the way that it's rippled out and affected just like the entertainment industry, such as like, I don't know, you know, the president of the United States being in the WWE hall of fame and having like an extended <laughs> run there, you know, uh, to Dwayne Johnson, you know, new owner of the XFL. Like it's just, I mean, John Cena, you know, Hulk Hogan, uh, stone cold. Just, I mean, it's insane what this guy's done. First question. Did you get a chance to meet the gentleman? I did not. And uh, yeah. I thought, I thought I, I thought I was going to, I really did. You know, there was, I, I'm trying to remember correctly. I think I remember, you know, people that work for the guardian saying that, you know, there was meetings and, you know, the, there was talk of him, you know, flying into the meetings or flying into training camp, you know, so there was all rumors. So I thought I was going to get the chance to meet him, but unfortunately uh, never met Vince McMahon, had the opportunity to meet Shane, um, Shane McMahon, which, which was great. You know, j- I was before week one, just, saw him on the sidelines, went up to him and, uh, just said, Hey, nice to meet you. You know, obviously a big fan, uh, appreciate the opportunity and something I thought was awesome. I mean, he was at every game. Yeah. You know, somehow I don't know. He's, you know what? He's surprisingly big, like in person, he's a big guy. Yeah. You know, like he looked always, I mean, he's bigger than me, shorter than you, but who isn't (laughs) guys fucking six, four over here, right? Six, four, six, five. But, um, I don't know. He's like, I mean, six, one, six, two, maybe like, but he's, I bet he's six, two, six, three, but uh, he's got, but he's got six, three, which is like right around my size. So height wise, he's got some short, he's, but he's got some serious, like, I mean, he's in good shape. Yeah. I bet he's two thirty, two thirty five. He's a, he's a big guy. Yeah. Um, but like I said, so he managed to be at every single game. So I don't know if he was taking private jets to. Oh, fuck yeah. Of course you know, he was. Different games, but, uh, and you know, it was great too. Um, you know, he, I, you know, in, in pregames and warming up like that, you know, uh, you'd see him shaking hands with everybody, taking pictures with everybody, you know, just seemed like a real down to earth, awesome guy, you know, which, uh, which I mean, at the time was great for the league. I saw him getting kind of whisked away from a distance. Like we were in the end zone and I saw him kind of coming up behind the sidelines and we're there like an official press capacity. And I was like, well, I don't want to get my press passes taken away, but there is Shane McMahon, you know, and I didn't get it. I regret not getting a, a chance to meet him, but like I had this, like I was like visualizing it on my way up to MetLife. I'm driving up there by myself. Like, okay, maybe Vince will be in town because it's week one and it's MetLife and I'll be in the press box and we'll have this moment and I'll shake his hand and he'll, and I'll, I'll get a, I'll get a Vince moment. You know, it didn't happen, but uh, someday, so someday it might, I, I just, you know, we talked about this before. I would think like as, and I didn't know you were as big a wrestling fan as you are be, until I started listening to your show and um, which, you know, the underrated hour, which we'll get to here in a second. But um, I would think just like if Vince McMahon wanted me to come in and like be the janitor, I would probably do it, you know? 
just because I'd be like, well, I'm going to work for Vince, you know, like yeah. were you was like, how much did that factor into your decision making? Like, yeah, I want to get back to the NFL, but also. WWF. Yeah, it was, it was like, uh, it was definitely an awesome factor, you know, like, yeah. a, <laughs> like if I'm like going to play for someone else. Yeah. Like, like an added bonus, like this is awesome. I hope I get the chance to meet him one day, you know, because uh, listen, I'm, I'm 30 years old, you know, so. And as you mentioned, I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. So you got to understand, you know, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001. I mean, that's we, and I talked about it on my show a little bit. That's the attitude era right there. Oh, yeah. So growing up, you know, turning on television every single week, you're watching Stone Cold, The Rock, uh, you know, Triple H, DX, you know, I mean, Kane, Undertaker, all those guys. Like that's when wrestling was at its best. Um so like I said, growing up and, and being able to watch that, man, I mean, you know, didn't, didn't get better than that. You know, it's, it's funny. And, that, and I heard you guys talking about this new show. Like, so the first time, like I had ever seen anything pro wrestling, it was like my brother, my older brother, is six years older than me. He was over at his friend's house. My mom took me to go pick him up and it was a Monday night and they were watching raw. And it was the night that Stone Cold drove the beer truck into the ring <laughs> and then sprayed the, you know, Vince and everybody down with beer and then, you know, just drinking beer and everybody's going nuts. And like I walked into that moment and my brother and all his friends are like, ah, going nuts. And like, I'm like, what is this? This is the craziest shit ever. And it's always like the only times my parents would ever walk into the room when I was watching wrestling, it was always <laughs> like, <laughs> It was always yeah. like, like I'm not even kidding. It was like the one time where they had like Kane, Triple H dress up as Kane and pretend to have sex with a dead girl. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but like it just so happens my mom walks in at the time and it's like, God, or it's yeah. like Mae Young showing her old lady boobs or something horrible, yeah. you know, and it's it's always, uh, it, it luckily it's it's a lot, it's, it's not like that anymore, but uh I just thought that was funny when you guys were talking about that because it always seemed to, to, to only be that's when the parents would come by. Was enough I'm, to just like, I'm just glad, you know, um, I had two older brothers, so I'm just glad my parents let me watch it, you, you know? Um, but you're talking about the beer truck. I, I would love, because, you know, obviously that clip is always, you know, replayed and, and shown. Um, I would love to know how they managed to do that. Like, I, I feel like all they did was measure it because if you watch the clip, I'm pretty sure – like the Titan Tron like moves forward when he drives the beer truck. Well, he, he hits the thing so hard. The whole ring yeah. slides. Yeah. But they, watch, like, the Titan Tron. I think the Titan Tron like wobbles too. Really? You know? Yeah. So, well, you know, crazy. one time when the Royal Rumble was in Philly, it, it was the one that uh, unfortunately Chris Benoit won. So it's like kind of been erased from the history books. We were sitting on the front row on the side where they were like loading like Eddie Guerrero's like low rider or whatever. But Stone Cold was doing the ATV thing at that time. And like he we watched him like full speed, like ramp it up the thing and then just sit there and he was idling it for a few minutes. And when that glass broke and he just took off like he literally gunned it to the ring and then like almost hit the camera guy and like had to pull back. Like it was amazing. Like that guy's a lunatic. Straight lunatic. Yeah, I mean, just I love awesome it. times, man. It, it was, you know, I actually I sat at ringside once before too. We were uh, when I was in Oakland. You know, we got tickets. You know, a bunch of us sat at ringside, man. And uh, now I feel like I can't sit anywhere else oh. to go to wrestling. <laughs> my my fiance a couple years ago for my birthday, 
I knew we were going to, she got tickets for SmackDown, but she never said what the tickets were. And she just told me like, oh yeah, they're in like that section over there, whatever. I was like, okay. And then when we get there, like they walked us to like the fucking front row. And I was like, like I was guy like I was crying like it was so embarrassing. This was like f- four years ago, you know. And it was like it was like the most amazing experience. And then now it's like I only get tickets down there because it's just once you see that up close and like what they're doing. I always tell Daryl, I'm like Daryl, let's get. I'll be your manager. You've got the size and the athleticism. Let's get you in the ring. You know, you could choke slam anybody who does anything, you know, that you're that's not to your liking. There you go. You know there what I mean? Is. But uh, it's like the thing that I love about pro wrestling, and I'd love to get your your guys' take on this as, as professional athletes, is like they're basically being asked to do anything that like a NFL athlete might have to put their body through in a given day. Plus, at the end of the show, go to their rental car and then drive – six hours or eight hours to the next town, check themselves into some shithole hotel by themselves. You know, like there's no travel agent. There's no team of like, okay, you get on the bus and you do this. Like, could you imagine playing NFL ball and then like driving yourself to the next town? And then like, you know what I mean? Like it just, it it blows my mind. Those people can do that. Yeah. I mean, I know I couldn't imagine it, you know, but, and, and, you know, Matt, I'm pretty sure you agree. Like, you know, NFL ball is just kind of a a different, um, it's a different monster altogether, which is why, you know, even, you know, I was a journeyman in the NFL. So like for me, I, you know, I hopped for, from team to team for, you know, year here, two years there. So when I got out of the league and I went to Canada, you know, went there for two seasons and then came back and now I'm like trying to still chase, you know, with uh, arena football, and that might be a little bit closer to the whole wrestling deal where you have to negotiate having to put your body through that physical rigor and then hop back in your car and go do it in the next town, except for, you know, Chicago Rush and, you know, the, you know, uh, Orlando Predators and stuff like that. I mean, a lot more of that traveling had to be done on your own dime as opposed to a team you know, taking, taking care of all the finances with that. So it's close, but it's still not like, I couldn't even imagine going to a game, just racking your body for three, four five plus hours, putting all your stuff on. And then immediately after that game, driving to to Cincinnati or whatever. So, you know, that, that, that's crazy. And there's no, there's no off time for those guys either. No, Mm. you know, so it's that, it's that same schedule, you know, week after week after week, you know, uh, it's, We'll talk about the consistency of a professional athlete, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you got to think about it. Yeah. Imagine, imagine the toll it takes on you, man. 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 You know, mentally and physically. Jeez. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and, and how, how the times have changed. Like, again, you know, this, there's, you can find it on the WWE network. There's like a old, it's called like stone cold road diaries or something. And it's from like 1998. And it's like, a, they put a camera in his Bronco with him. And they just filmed like, it's like he's out of character, but he's still stone cold. It's a very weird thing. But he's driving. He's like, yeah, I'm coming from I-95 Philadelphia, heading up to Newark. And he like reaches behind his seat and, you know, grabs a Budweiser and he cracks it (laughs) and he's drinking it. And he's, and like the fucking camera guy is filming it. And then not only did he film it, but they're like, looks good put it out. You know what I mean? Like, like we're in such a different world now than, than we were, you know, in 1997, 98. Um, 
but like that's the there's like this I don't know there's this like little bit of magic still to me of pro wrestling that uh, I find so fascinating and that, now it's to the point where sometimes I'm more fascinated in these individuals like outside of it and like just all the crazy stories and and the just being on the road and I find a lot of uh, similarities between like life as a musician or you know as, a, as an athlete it's it's really uh, a wild bunch. And you had uh, you had Sean Hayes, who was uh, he's their strength and conditioning coach there, um, on the underrated hour, which uh, was a great time. But he talks about the that training and the consistency and stuff. So, you know, obviously one of the things that's worked for you that you talked about having opportunity and and you know capitalizing on on minimal opportunities. What kind of extra things have you done outside of like the game to keep your body? always ready for that call because I, I got to imagine like, you know, it's one thing to be on an active roster and then be waiting for a call, you know, because you're at the facility with the teammates. But like if you, you know, you're on one roster and then you're there for a couple weeks and you get released and you go home for half, you know, half a season, like what do you, what kind of things did you do to keep yourself ready physically? Yeah. So I always made sure I had some type of, you know, off season program, that I followed, that I stuck to. I mean, I never missed a workout because, you know, I knew I had to have some type of edge over my competition. Like, listen, I'm barely over six feet tall. You know, I'm 205, 210 pounds, you know? So I, I had to do everything that I could to make sure that I was at the best of my ability at all times. You know, I, I had to strain every single day to get every, you know, ounce of talent out of me, you know, and it, like I said, I was never, I was never a big training room guy either. You know, I would just go in there, get my ankle taped. I'd walk back out, you know, whether I, if I was sore or, you know, feeling beat up or, or anything like that, because I just, I, I didn't want to be labeled as a, as a training room guy. I didn't want them to, you know, I, I have any excuse to say, you know, this guy isn't who we thought he was, you know, this guy is a walk on or this guy's undrafted. So, you know, we really don't need him. You know, he's in the training room. He doesn't work hard. I, I didn't want that to be a reason as to why I didn't make it. Um, so, I mean, like I said, just constantly making sure I got my workouts in, making sure that I was in hip-top shape and at the best of my ability when I walked in there for OTAs, mini camp, training camp, preseason, you know, or the start of the season, you know, taking mental reps, you know, when I wasn't in at practice, just staying into it as best I could trying to learn, um, you know, man. And I said, it was, it was hard. It wasn't easy. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't one of these guys that can just show up and play, you know, like I said, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I believe I had talent. I believe I had ability, everything like that. But I knew deep down that I had to stay in it every single day that I had to strain every single day. And I had to work as hard as I possibly could every single day to stay there, you know, focused. I had to be focused. Was there anybody that you've played with, you know, at any point, any level um, that stands out to you as somebody that like, you felt like, damn, they just show up and they're the fucking best. You know, I think I want to figure out how I want to say this because listen, I'm not, you know, here to compare guys or compare players or quarterbacks or anything like that. I've been around some great quarterbacks. I've been around, you know, guys like Matt Schaub, Derek Carr, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Chad Henney, you know, Pat Mahomes, a lot, a lot of great quarterbacks there. 
Um, you know, when you, when I'm asked questions, best quarterback I've been around, uh, or, you know, who's the most talented or things like that. I think common, the best quarterback I've been around when it comes to talent and hard work is Carson Wentz easily. I just think it is because he was somebody who had as much talent as I've been around, but he was also somebody that worked as hard as anybody I've ever been around. You talk about consistency. He was the same guy every single day, you know, did the same stretches on the field, you know, before practice every single day, warmed up the same way every single day, worked harder than anybody in the weight room every single day. Um, and I remember the first time I saw him throw at a workout, I just thought, damn, like th this guy's, you know, at that time, you know, this is the guy's the best quarterback I've ever seen, you know, just combining all of those things that I just talked about. Um, you know, a guy like Derek Carr, just natural ability to throw the football, just a gifted, gifted thrower, you know, can walk out there and just throw the football, man, just a smooth motion, great arm strength, great person, you know, works as he works his tail off as well. And then, you know, you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes who, you know, can throw the ball from 15 different arm angles, <laughs> you know, just a rare, rare talent. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know what, what he's been like these past two seasons, because obviously I was there in 2018, um, which would have been his first year as a full starter. Um, but I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, during OTAs, mini camp, training camp, you know, it was, you know, he was the MVP that year in 2018. Right. Um, it was one of those things where it's like, they're not going to be, you know, eight and eight. They're either going to be three and 13 or they're going to play as well as they did. You know, you can see that just by the way, you know, he played the game of football, man. And obviously, you know, uh, he's the best player in the world right now. So, um, you know, like I said, it's great to be, be around him as a quarterback. You know, I was older than him and I was learning from him, um, which, you know, shows you how special, you know, that guy is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and I mean, I'm lucky because, you know, I forced myself to try to elevate my game playing around those guys. You know, I always, you know, love the challenge. You know, I may not have been competing with them for the starting job, but I was, you know, personally, I was competing with them in my mind, you know, because, you know, that's just, that's just the way I am, the way I think, you know, I think competition is extremely healthy. I love competition. And as I just said, you know, being around those guys brought out the best in me. So you know, better quarterback, uh, you know, I thought it was a better leader, um, better all-around football player from being around those guys. You, you know, you talk about seeing Carson throw and just being kind of like, whoa, you know. Um, there's there's certain talent that's like everyone knows, you know, like anybody that watches, even if they're not really into that thing, they're like, well, something's going on there. And uh, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to be on the Heinz Field during a preseason game. And uh, the Eagles were in town in Pittsburgh. And it was Michael Vick's second year as like it was the years you know after the the year where he came in and just kind of blew everybody's minds again for the second time in his career. So he's coming in as a starter, and <clears throat> Ben was out on the Steelers side of the field, and he's warming up, and everybody in hind, you know, everybody's watching Ben. You know, oh man, there goes Ben, Big Ben. Look at that, look at that arm. And then all of a sudden, Michael Vick jogs out. You know, and this is like, oh, like not old, not the end of Michael Vick, but the you know, beginning of his his final act. 
And uh, he just like throws a quick little 10 yard dot and then everybody stops. Like everyone, the water boy, the guy doing the cameras, like, and everyone's just like watching him. And then like after two minutes, he's standing at the 50 yard line, turning, talking to the guy, like his, his coach. And just like this, like, yeah, like this, I'm glad I could finally demonstrate it on video. Cause I've told the story, before, <laughs> but just like the slightest flick of the wrist like this. And it's going right to the, the goal line. And, like perfect spiral and everyone and then Ben is like got this yeah. like little teapot <laughs> arm thing. You know, like sometimes quarterbacks do that. I don't know where they that that gets from you, but you hold the ball and they're looking like, oh yeah. And it was just like it was amazing. Like, holy shit, that guy is special. And anytime like because the NFL is full of special people, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and like what you know, when I first met Daryl and and just the sheer size of him, and then like I realized like, well, he, if he wants to pick me up, I'm going for a ride. You know, like there's no, there's no stopping that, you know? And then I think about like all the other people that, you know, and the, it's just the, the size, the speed, the, 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 the intelligence that you have to have. Um, it's, it, it's something that I think people lose sometimes if they don't get an opportunity to watch it up close. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a clip of like Mike Vick when he was playing for the Eagles, throwing a pass to Sean Jackson and like, I swear the ball's in the air for like 10 seconds. It's like one of the greatest throws I've ever seen. He just takes a drop. He takes like two hitches and he just, it, it's, he just, it looks like he throws the ball the length of the field. Um, but it's just like I said, it's just guys like that with, with arm strength and arm talent. It's just, you know, God given ability, um, you know, just effortless, you know, but what's so special about those guys like Mahomes or a guy like Mike Vick is that they know they have talent they know they have ability, but they also have the drive, the determination and the work ethic. That's when you get, get to where they want to go. That's when it gets scary. And we talk about all the time consistency. They understand they need to be consistent and they need to do it every single day, which is why, you know, those two guys are some of the greats. And I mean, as you said, there's a ton of guys in the NFL with great arm talent and, you know, I'm sure there's countless guys that are not in the NFL with great arm talent. There's some kids skipping rocks in Tennessee right now, like you wouldn't believe. Well, it's just, I mean, that's the thing. That's, I mean, if you're asking me about it, where arm strength is on, you know, a list of being a good quarterback, I mean, it's not in the top five. I mean, it's it's got to be there. You have to have some type of arm strength, arm talent, arm ability to play. But, you know, you need to be a good decision maker. You need to have great timing. You need to be accurate, you know. Um, Let me ask you this on that topic, because as I'm as I'm realizing all the wonderful guests we've had on the Everyman podcast, um, you know, you're the first, uh, you know, NFL quarterback that, that we've had on the show, the first NFL quarterback I've had the pleasure of speaking with. And I've always found it interesting, you know, I use the Eagles for an example, I'm not an Eagles fan, okay? Always enjoyed how hard the fans are on the Eagles, though. I'm always like watching it and laughing at kind of like they don't know how good they've had it, like they've had really good play quarterback play for like 20 years and then they just kind of throw Donovan McNabb to the pile now um but I remember when it was a big controversy when McNabb like bulked up right and he got all those biceps and then he wasn't throwing the ball as accurately or whatever and I always look at a guy like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or my boy Big Ben not necessarily the most muscular of men you know do you is it shoulder is there any bicep? Is it elbow? Like, where is like, is it where is all that throwing mechanic coming from? And why is it that it seems like you want like a more lanky build? Is it because you're just 
you really just want that angle of approach with a long arm and a shoulder? Well, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think you need a lanky build. I mean, look at a guy like Drew Brees, you sure. know, or yeah. a guy like Kyler Murray or someone like that, you know. Um, and again, I'm not sure what their training regimens are, you know, um, or, or, or how they work out. But for me, you know, I was, I, I threw with my legs, you know. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you got, I mean, you can, you can't, I mean, listen, Mahomes can stand there and just, or Rogers can stand there and just, just flick it, you know? I, I mean, I couldn't do that, man. I had to make sure I was in balance, that I had a good base. Um, you know, I had to make sure I had strong legs, that I had a strong core. You know, I make sure everything was in tune um, so I can drive the football. I mean, again, don't get me wrong, I had a decent arm, but I needed to make sure everything was together for me to, you know, put the football where I want it, to have some juice behind the football. Um, That's really interesting. And, I, really I mean, and I'm, you know, like I said, I, I had I had to do everything I could to take care of, you know, my legs, you know, you know uh, after practice, you know, stretch, roll out, you know, I mean, just, just really take care of my legs because, you know, sometimes in training camp, man, when my legs would go, I could feel, you know, I don't have as much velocity behind the football. Um, you know, so like I said, I mean, I threw from the legs, you know, so, um, you know, keeping my legs strong and healthy and then having great core strength, you know, was, uh, was big for me. So you're really tightening up those hamstrings and using your core to throw the ball downfield. I just was, I mean, I knew I had to drive, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, I had to drive the football. I had to drive the football. Um, that's interesting. You know, and that's, and that's, I mean, I said too, like last thing I'll say on that is, uh, you know, I think, I think having poor lower body mechanics is a way to, you know, really injure your arm fast too. You Cause know? you're co- compensating yeah. with just forcing you're, just, you're, throw, you're throwing all arm man. And I think you're just asking for an injury. And if you're throwing all, all arm, you know, I just don't think your arm's going to last that long. It's not, it's not going to be able to take that punishment. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just like drumming and, you know, a guy like Mike Mangini could, could explain it the best, but in drumming, people always think like you're, you're really using your shoulders and you're swinging your arms, but really you're just, it's, it's all on your wrists and all that. It's just using leverage and, and the, the angle of the stick to get the result that you want. And it makes sense that it's the same thing with, with uh, throwing the rock there. I guess. Well, I, go ahead, Daryl. I, I I just want to add one thing here, and you know, it might not be you know to the tune of the physicality involved with quarterback play, but having played against someone like you know the greatest quarterbacks out there, like the Tom Brady's and you know the uh, Peyton Mannings of the world, and and to to your point, Justin, you were saying uh, we we have our first ever quarterback here. A lot of that, a lot of that talent, and a lot of that drive, coupled with the physicality would be just the knowledge of the game, the pre-snap, the post-snap reads, having to throw off coverages. And if you come if you come to the, you know, line of scrimmage, you get under center and you got, dude, I mean, all these moving parts before you snap the ball and then you go back and play action and you turn back around, those motherfuckers are moving. Like, and you still got to <laughs> find voids. And you got, you got, you, you got, I mean, you got dogs like me coming after you. That's you what I mean. I don't want to have to deal with way, you, like, man. Like to to me, like physicality, it's 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 necessary, Matt. I'm sure you agree it's necessary. But I have the utmost respect for quarterbacks just because of what you. Because I know I couldn't do it. You guys got to re- remember sentence long plays and hundreds of them that change 
at the at the drop of a hat. You know what I mean? Like if somebody came with me, it's like, hey, over under plus two paragraphs. That's one play. I'm like, fuck no, get that. <laughs> so I'm I blitz. <laughs> no, let me let me go out of let me get out of this. Other. This is not what we're trying to do. So. You know, well, just kudos to you, man. That's, trust that's, me, man. We, trust me. When quarterbacks break the huddle, we know that guys like you, you know, are going to be on top of us within a few seconds. Uh, so, but it's it's it, man. You break the huddle. You need you need to have a pre-snap routine. You know, break the huddle. You know, I'm looking at the secondary, looking at the linebackers. All right, what's the front? All right, do I have you know a motion? Do I have a shift or anything like that? And the snap of the ball, I need to see coverage. And as soon as I see coverage, I need to eliminate you know routes or concepts that I'm not going to because I got to go one to two or Daryl's going to sack me <laughs> you know, and I don't want to get hit and I don't want to get hit by Daryl it's a long game you know I got <laughs> 70 plays I can't have Daryl hit me 10 times and oh you know, god no sacks, See, you know don't realize that though man they, they don't realize the the level of analytics that you have to have going on upstairs whether you're in shotgun, whether you're under 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 center, whether you just just seeing all those pieces move, or just to help you out, hey, let's get this motion to see if they're in man. If they're not, I'm to do like for me, I'm like fuck, I don't know what they're in, man. Like that's just crazy. You know what? It's a quarterback. I mean, you know, quarterback play. Um, you know, you can talk about it all day. You know, but I think another important thing about it is uh, you have to have an internal clock mm. where absolutely. You know, as you just mentioned, you get play action, you're back there, you're waiting, you're waiting. Back of your head, like, I- I'm going to get planted into the ground here if I don't get rid of this football. <laughs> I'm seconds you know, from that. It's just yeah. like, it, it, you do, you feel it. You, you're like, yeah. pockets caving in, you know, like, I've had this ball for too goddamn long now. I either need to, <laughs> I need to find somebody open, I need to escape the pocket and throw it away, or in certain situations, it's okay to take a sack. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, but I mean, too, like you're not as a quarterback, you're not looking at the rush either. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm looking downfield, but I can feel different color jerseys. Right. You know what I mean? I can right. still I can still see if there's a red jersey or a white jersey. You know, I'm like, ah, I got another second. I can get rid of the football here. Or right. it's like if you're running at me real fast, and it's just like, oh, you protect the football and yeah. take the sack. You know what I mean? It's just. It's a feeling, man, and, you know, some quarterbacks have it, some don't. But just like that awareness, and even Brother Jay, like you as a drummer, like I couldn't imagine being a drummer and having to actually be harmonizing with three, four other individuals, like at the same time, hey, I got to know where I fit in here, you know, where I'm just shredding it, or, you know, just like you, you know, Matt, like like everything has to be in harmony, and you have to, like you say, feel those people. I, like me, I only have one dude to worry about, and you. Like that's it. Yeah. Like brother Jay, you got like you got a bass player, you got a you got somebody on the guitar, you got the fucking crowd going nuts. You know what I mean, Matt? You got too many people for me to even think about <laughs> going nuts. Yeah, you got to figure that out. That's just you're talking about memorizing a football play. I don't know how you memorize, oh. you know music to a three and a half or four minutes long. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Justin? Yeah, well, (laughs) repetition, man. You know, just like you guys, just reps, just reps. And then, and then like every now and then be like, hold up, wait a minute. How do we, how'd that go again? And then it's like, Okay, and then you then you know you you pull up the iPhone real quick, um, you know. So so one one of the things you said that I thought was really interesting was you're talking about you're eliminating possibilities. So when you're when you're making a read on defense, you know, uh, on what's coming at you, are you your first thought is like what I can't do, not 
oh, this I should throw it to this guy because he wants the ball. Like you're you're thinking like what's already out <laughs> off the play. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't throw it to somebody just because they want the football. You know, I don't care. <laughs> uh, but no, I said everything's based off coverage for me. You know, you get up to the line of scrimmage, you have a pre-snap routine. All right, is it, you know, is it man? Is it cover four? Is it cover three? Is it cover two? What is it? And then you go from there. It's like, all right, cover two are my cover two beaters in this concept. Or cover two beaters, I may have to check to a run, you know, depending on down and distance or, you know, what situation it is in the game. Or are we backed up? You know, are we in field goal range? Are we in the red zone? Um, so a lot of those, a lot of those, you know, things come into play as well. Um, but, and then you snap the ball. You, I mean, at the snap of the ball, you still have to keep your eyes downfield because, you know, it is NFL safeties are good. NFL cornerbacks are good at disguising their, you know, linebackers, D linemen. Everybody's great at disguising and then moving at the snap of the ball. So once the ball snapped, you still peek downfield just to kind of confirm if what you saw was correct. And if it wasn't correct, then you got to be able to think and process information in a hurry to get where you need to go with the football. And I guess that's why guys can get gun shy if they're in a situation that's, you know, uh, Derek Carr's brother, you know, the, the situation he came into with the Texans as an expansion league where he was just under fire all the time and maybe he didn't have the opportunity to fully develop as a the timing and everything because from the get – he was like, up, oh, oh, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm gone, you know? Um, I think it's tough too. You know what I mean? When, you know, you're trying to look downfield, you're trying to look downfield, but you know, either, you know, could be disguising blitzes really well, or, you know, the line is, is just having a great day or, you know, the lines doing different stunts or different games, you know, things like that. And they're just on top of you, you know, all game, um, you know, really forces you to, kind of expedite the process a little bit when you're in the pocket, you know, um, you want to get the ball out of your hand faster. You know, I've definitely been in situations like that where it's like, you know, Hey, we're struggling here right now. I just need to find some quick completions. Um, so I'm sure Daryl will tell you, there's nothing more frustrating than when a quarterback gets football out of his hand. Oh and my God. As Eli, no, you're just rushing, 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 bro. You play, you play Peyton Manning. It was like, take two steps and turn and fucking run. Cause he's just going <laughs> to find a void. You just been like peanut the fuck man then that's nothing you can do because that's just him man it's just him that's why like i said like the like the one percent of the one percenters are just quarterbacks period to be able to process all of that and again i'll say this just like you brother jay like as a drummer anywhere any any position where you have multiple things to worry about like i said i was fortunate i could be literally just worried about one guy game plan on him and then have a day, you know what I mean? But if, if that was in God's cards for the day, but for the most part, quarterbacking, drumming, like, like I'm just looking like this. If, if I have to play in sync with my arms and with my arms and I got a double base with my legs, fuck that. I'm not doing it. So I can't <laughs> just forget it. Like, Hey, uh, you guys, you can have your money back. Cause I can't, I'm not doing this. It's too much. You know oh, man. Nah, it's not that you could do it. Daryl. You're a smart man. See, You're smarter everybody, than I am. see, that just sounds like something that somebody would say when I know I can't fucking do that shit. Like, it's just, it's just ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> man, I could not drop back. Like, okay. It's like I'm when somebody tells way. you that beauty's on the inside, you're like, so you think I'm ugly. Right. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? But I like like conceptually when like I started playing football and I saw okay, cool. There's a guy out there who has the ball and he's going to throw it to all these other fuckers, right? Oh, well guess what? 11 other people are trying to destroy his life force. <laughs> and I have to weave through all of that yep. and there's going to be a point in time where I literally 
turn my back to all of them? Nope. I'm hitting the note <laughs> button right now. Nope. It's not happening. It's uh, <laughs> It takes a right, special. Even, the worst part, like, it, it's kind of like, well, the worst part and the best part as a quarterback is like, so there's times where you know you're going to get hit, you know, where you may have a free rusher or there's a miscommunication or something like that, but you have a guy open downfield. It's like, take one to get one. You know, it's like, oh. I know I'm, I know I'm about to get hit, but I mean, this guy's open for a touchdown or he's open for a first down. It's like, all right, I'm throwing football here, but it's like, you know, you're about to get. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But then you hear oh the crowd God. pop when you're on the ground. You're like, uh, I got it. You know, like yeah. it's worth it. It was yeah, worth yeah. it. Like, yeah. You're on the ground. You're like, did he catch it? Did yeah. he catch it? Is it a touchdown? All right. Good. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, so, man. so speaking about the defensive side of the ball, who's the most, um, I don't want to say intimidating, but difficult to deal with or difficult to mentally manage uh, defensively that you came across in the NFL? Uh, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, Daryl will tell you, I mean, every single week, you know, there's another great player that you have to deal with. You know, there really is. So, I mean, to sit here and just really pick out one guy, I think it would be unfair, um, you know, there's just, I mean, there's so many talented guys that play at such a high level. Anybody um, that gave you a particularly difficult time, let me rephrase it, that had your number that you feel like. That had my number? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think I may have thrown, I threw, so one game I threw four picks against the Chiefs. I think, uh, <laughs> I think Eric Berry might have had two picks that game. So, um, I guess, I mean, I would have to say him because he, <laughs> he got you. Have, if I'm remembering correctly, he may have intercepted me twice. We'll um, have to we'll have to get the everyman uh, statistical analysis on yeah. that. Uh, I'll, I'm gonna have to look up those immediately. Stats. <laughs> yeah, look up my own stats real quick. Yeah, give me the old media guy out. Uh, but no, I mean playing in the, you know playing in the AFC West for four years, which I thought at the time was the best division in football. You know what yep. I mean? Um, a lot of I mean preparing for you know guys like Von Miller, um, or. You know, at the time, like a guy like Tom Bali, or you know, what I mean, something, something like that. It's just like, it's just, well, those Denver it, defenses then were stacked. Yeah, man. I mean, Kansas City's defense was great, and even oh, I mean, yeah. even at the, the Chargers were good. And it's and I mean, I was always believe, you know, I always believe that it's the NFL. Anybody can beat anybody on any day, too. That's the yeah. great thing about it. You know what I mean? So it was never like, oh, we're taking a week off this week because these guys are, you know, two and four or something like that. It's, it's, it, that's never happening, man. And, yeah. and like I just said, there's always somebody that you are preparing for. There's always like, Hey, this guy's got three sacks on the year or Hey, this guy's got five picks on the year. You know, we got to We really need to be cautious as to where he is. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't do that, it's going to be a long day at the office. Yeah. I, that's, you know, Matt, and I were talking about how my, my perception of the NFL has changed since getting to you know you, Daryl. Daryl, you and I talk about this at length all the time. And, and, you know, you're talking about size. Like, when I first met Haj Shabazz, like, this man walks into my house, and I'm like, holy shit, you were a cornerback? Like, y- you <laughs> are, like, the, the second biggest person I've ever seen in my life. How is this even possible, you know? And um, somehow that's what an NFL cornerback looks like. And then, and everybody just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I always appreciate like Mike Tomlin. I just have a ton of respect for him and anybody that I've talked to that's, that's had an opportunity to play with him is always just, you know, great things. But he always makes a point when he talks about his opponents, like the, the Pittsburgh media kind of mocks him for like, you know, really 
kind of ball washing these guys, but it's like, no, he understands the reality that there are savages on every NFL team, literal savages that will eat your lunch and, and they'll all do it. And there's three guys behind them that will do it too. And a practice squad. Like it's the, the NFL man is, is just a, it's an unbelievable uh, business. Unbelievable game. It's your job. It's your job. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't understand that. I think even the media at times, you know, loses sight of that, that, I mean, this is what you do for money. You know, this is how you provide for your family. Um, it's your job. Um, you know, so, you know, and they get surprised when people are fighting for it or defending it or get hot, you know, and we kind of talked about one of the things, you know, kind of tie it back to the XFL here, but, uh, that, that's the thing that's exciting about the NFL to me more so than like, I don't know, maybe, maybe has same thing happens in the major league baseball, but there's just that sense of urgency in, in professional football. And because of the violence and the, and the, the stakes are high, there's just something special about that. And, and it, it drives those, you know, we talk about all the time, those NFL films moments that end up becoming little memories, you know, of everybody's. It's really yeah, a definitely. special definitely. game. So I want to talk about your podcast, man, here as we wind down uh, the underrated hour. So, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've had a chance to check out a few episodes. I really enjoy it. And, um, you know, it's you and your brothers. You guys kind of talk shit on each other. You, you, <laughs> you chop it up about, about football, what's going on in, in daily stuff. And you guys do interviews. Um, and uh, you've been, it's been cool because I see similarities in what you're doing. Like you're utilizing your network of, you know, people that you played with or people that maybe you share, you know, alma mater with. Um, shout out Tom Phillips. That was a great episode. He's the man. Um, what, what made you get into podcasting, man? Uh, you know, so I was a broadcast journalism major at Penn State and, uh, you know, I just, I've always wanted to stay involved with the game. You know, I knew once that my playing career was over that, you know, I, I mean, I'd like to, I, I would like to be honest, I'd like to get in a booth one day and call games. Um, but we'll see, you know, I just think I've been around some of the greatest players of all time. I've been around some of the greatest coaches of all time. Um, you know, I like to think when I was playing, I was a student of the game, you know, that I try to learn as much as I could. Um, and I also think that, fans, you know, as much as they love the game too, I think they want to learn a little bit about the game, you know? And, um, you know, so that's why, you know, again, I want, I want to get into broadcast. That's why I started the podcast. You know, I want to talk about football, you know, maybe, maybe, a, you know, fans that listen to the show can, you know, maybe learn one or two things just from listening to the podcast about football that they didn't know. Um, but at the same time, like you said, we, you know, we have a lot of fun with it. You know, we love talking about wrestling, you know, uh, talking about beer, you know, craft beer. Yeah, I know you're a craft beer guy. I got a Neshaminy Creek uh, here. You ever had Neshaminy Creek? I've had Neshaminy Creek before. Yeah, it's good. It's a good brewery, yeah. Yeah, they're right down the street from us here. Shout out to uh, NCBC. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, we kind of, you know, I, when I started the podcast, I had the idea just, you know, just talking about sports and things like that. But as we get going here, man, it's just, you know, it's kind of what's ever relevant at the time, you know. Uh, sure. But definitely still talk about sports. But, but like you said, we've had – you know, WWE strength and conditioning coach Sean Hayes on. We just had Tom Phillips on, you know, who's a uh, play-by-play commentator for WWE. So, um, you know, who knows? You know, who, you know, who knows kind of who the guest that week will be. Um, but, you never uh, know. <laughs> but it's, it's fun. It's, you know, and it's fun that way, man. You know, it really is. Uh, you know, we talk about movies, TV shows, things like that. Um, so uh, we enjoy it, man, and uh, we have a good time doing it. 
Yeah, you guys have a real good, you know, real good chemistry and great rapport with each other. And I'm not just saying this because you're here. Like I, I, I was talking to Dale about Thanks. this afternoon. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a fun time. It's a fun show. And you know, like um, that. There's like that. Uh, you know, I've got an older brother. You know, and there's that at each other that that uh, only brothers can do. You know, really yeah, get right. really know how to fucking annoy each other that uh you know is fun i'm speaking from my experience here of course but um yeah i really really enjoy the show and i think it's i think it's off to a great start and um you know you never know what what uh what what what, where things can go because i mean with this show we we kind of started off like you know i had this career in music and we started bringing some of the music guests on and you know, we bring in NFL players and musicians, NFL players, musicians. Then at some point we started like branching out and, you know, we get a guy coming on soon here, Dylan Dickstein, future astronaut. He's a PhD and works for Tesla and or works for SpaceX. He's a rocket engineer and he's a pilot and, a, and like a scuba diver and an EMT. And a, it's like the craziest shit ever. Um, and yeah. and wow. once you, once you get out into like this podcasting world, there's so much great, um, so many great shows out there, you know, and there's enough for everybody. So it's like, if you, you know, you guys listen to the Everman podcast, you've been hanging in the cosmic canoe. You like the football. You like my, my professional wrestling is amazing rants all the time. Uh, you know, the underrated hour might be for you. Well, I think what's, you know, what's great too about having a podcast is as mentioned, like, I mean, I like to, you know, talk about, or maybe teach, you know, somebody something about football that they don't know. But I mean, even with our guests, you know, I want to learn something too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we learned, we learned so much and, and it gets to the point where like, I'm no longer, I'm actually just asking for myself, you know, like we had, <laughs> we had a guy on who, a uh, friend of ours, Matt Halpern, who uh, is a great drummer for band periphery and um, he's into the ice bath things. And like ha towards the end of his thing about ice baths, I'm like asking my own questions about it, you know, just because it's, it's fascinating and it's like a great excuse to get together with people that are, you know, doing cool things. Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's what makes a, a great show. And, uh, you know, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, too, that's what people want to hear. You know, they, they, they want to hear, you know, about the guest's career, you know, their story, you know, you know, things they've gone through, adversity that, that they had overcome, things like that, man. I think that's what makes for a great show. Absolutely. So, you know, what's obviously you've got the pod going, that's going to keep going for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, obviously from looking at you, it looks like you're staying in shape. So what, what's, what's on the plate for you, man? You, you want to, you want to take another, another shot? You can go for XFL 3.0. You're going <laughs> to nah. go back to the NFL. What are you thinking, man? No, playing career is over. Um, you know, I had a, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'd like to think I had a good run. I really do. You know, and this is, somebody, this is somebody, this is, you know, coming from somebody who wasn't supposed to play at Penn state. You know, so to be able to play five years at Penn State, uh, you know, six years in the NFL, you know, one year in in, in the XFL, um, it, uh, I mean, it was a great run, man. And like I said, you know, sitting here today, I have no regrets. You know, I really don't. And uh, it's a great feeling because I know I worked as hard as I could. I know I got, you know, every bit of talent, you know, out of me that I had. Um, you know, I mean, obviously when you look back, there are things that you're like, oh, maybe I should have, you know, went this route or, you know, did this or did that. Um, but like I said, I, I have no regrets, man. And uh, really proud of my career and, uh, you know, really happy with the way it went. Um, met a lot of great people, learned a lot about, you know, the great game of football. 
It's like the gift that keeps on giving, man. The game. Oh, you do. You know, Daryl and I talk about it all the time. Like, you know, f- football brought Daryl and I together in a weird way that should have never happened, you know. And football's given Daryl so much, you know, and he, he talks about the desire to stay around the game. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of what I've done with, with the podcast and, and reaching out to these musicians that, I, that I've worked with over, over the years. And is is my way to, to stay in that game without having to live my life out of a tour van, you know. Uh, with uh, six other stinky dudes so um you know it's it's uh it's a blessing and and you know i'm i'm again you know the cosmic canoe me me and me and joe spino we grew up together we're sitting there at the at the the press box the meadowlands and i turn to him on my left and i say you know what joey if anything weird happens at least we can say we were at xfl week one and we got to see matt mcgloin start and he goes and he goes yeah man for real and like fast forward a couple weeks later it like the week that the xfl shut down daryl was actually coming to the game with me the next day he got he had the press pass like we got him a pass made i sent an email to uh jared shout out to jared the uh the press guy there nice nice kid nice gentleman um i sent him an email at like 9 45 because i start I'm at work. I see the world starting to shut down. You know, NBA is canceled. And I'm like, hmm, hey, buddy, uh, are we still on for Saturday? He's like, yep, as far as I know, I'll see you tomorrow morning. And he had a little pin for me. He was going to give me a a Guardians pin. I was like, sweet, I'll get you for that fucking pin. Five minutes later, it's like, done. And I'm like, I shouldn't, I jinxed it. I'm pretty sure... (laughs) I personally, in that press box, jinxed the entire planet when I said, if anything weird happens, we were here. So they probably, yeah, you're probably never going to get that pin now. No, no, no. Yeah, it's gone. Vince already (laughs) sold it. Yeah. And, and, you know, we bought merch. Like I got a little, I got a little, the little guardians, like ball cap, you know, and, uh, as soon as it gets cold enough, man, things going right back on rest in peace. But, you know, if anybody could bring it back for a third time, I'm sure Dwayne Johnson. Hey, Matt, quick question, though. Would you call games for the XFL? You think you would want to do something like that? You know, you know um, you, you're not the first person that has asked me that question. You know, um, I would, I mean, if the opportunity presented itself and the XFL wanted me to be involved in some capacity, um, obviously not playing, but, you know, I, I would definitely, you know, love the opportunity to, to work for the XFL. You know, I think, you know, not just myself, but a, a lot of guys that are still playing, see who has purchased the XFL and who's a part of it. I mean, how can you not want to again play for that league? You know, like if you're oh, an yeah. XFL guy this past year, and <laughs> oh, yeah. you gotta remember it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough on those guys who are XFL guys or undrafted guys or even late round draft picks. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's no off season, there's no OTAs, there was no mini camp. I mean, there's no preseason. So, I mean, the year was shortened for those guys. So those guys still have a lot of talent, a lot of ability that could be on NFL rosters or that could be on NFL practice squads, man. I mean, you know, they should have a chance to play somewhere. And, you know, so hopefully, you know, the rock and, and, and his staff, I mean, hopefully they can get the XFL up and running for tw- for spring of 2021. So those guys have, have a chance to play, man, because, you know, it'll be awesome to, uh, to see some good football. It really would be. 
It'd be even more awesome to see you fucking call an XFL game too. I mean, I tune in. I'm telling you, amazing. It'd be amazing. Yeah, sick. Yeah, we'll see, man. Like I said, if if they wanted me to be involved in in some capacity, man, I would definitely be interested. Sweet. Well, it's like you said, man. If they if they couldn't find any cooler person to go work for, that's not the NFL. After Vince McMahon, it would be Dwayne Johnson. There's literally no one cooler. Like. No doubt. There can no be doubt. no cooler guy after him that, like, if it doesn't work for him, it's got to be some nerds that run it because it's over. <laughs> I just think, too, I mean, look at what The Rock has done. Everything he's been a part of has been successful. He, yeah. he like, saved the Fast yeah. and the Furious. Everybody forgets. It wasn't for, <laughs> wasn't for old Dewey coming in and turning Fast Five into gold. That was a great, great friggin' movie. Man, I love that franchise, man. So do I. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not complaining by any means. I'm just saying... Yeah, the man yeah, yeah. kept it alive, and, well, and like, I gotta ask you guys a question then. Yeah, did you guys did you guys love Tokyo Drift? Because I know I didn't like Tokyo Drift. Dude, you kidding that was me? the only one that was a one off for me. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've watched Tokyo Drift numerous times, it's, man. If it's on TV, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, is it the, but like the, that it, kid is so bad. All, he has all of them. Is that is that one of the best ones? I just can't believe that the kid that they had, like they went from again, not to get weird here. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. But you look at the guy again. We talk about talent. All right. Any asshole with two eyes looks at Paul Walker for 30 seconds and goes, guy's a star. Okay, I get it. I get it. Same way you look at Brad Pitt. I get it. Okay? Then they go from that to this kid who looked like, it looked like they put, you know, Paul Walker through like, they left him on like the tumble setting or something. Like it was like an off, slightly off-kiltered copy of him. And he had no charisma. He had no nothing for me. That's my only complaint. I love the the car sequence, but I felt like you went from this like super charismatic duo to this guy, you know, from Kentucky in Japan or whatever. Like, not my favorite, but I do enjoy it. Yeah, it was it was different. It really was. But uh, like I said, it's on TV. I'll watch it. Yeah. Uh, but I think the only one that might have been worse than that was Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Ah uh, right. yeah. Well. You know, it's spelled with the two. That's how you know it's good. I still remember going to see the first one in theaters. Uh, and you know, coincidentally, so my parents bought a new minivan. And my brother had just gotten his driver's license. And it was the day that my parents got the minivan. And they were like, take your brother to go see that car movie in the minivan. So, like, I have this really weird memory of, like, taking the minivan to go see Fast and Furious and then coming home in the minivan and being like, yeah, let's fucking go, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go slide under some trucks. It was, uh, it was a real special time in my life. Very uh, oh, impactful. <laughs> Even the, the, uh, the Hobbs and Shaw was, a, was okay. Uh, it was a little, little weird. They just turned into like a Marvel movie kind of. But, uh, I mean, who doesn't love Dwayne Johnson? Come on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like I said, I hope I hope they get that up and running for twenty twenty one. I can I think I think it'll really help a lot of young players. Oh yeah. Well, like you said, they should have somewhere to play. Like again, Darius Victor, like thinking about him, like how's a guy like that not gonna get a shot? You know, but then again, talk about quarterbacks, PJ Walker. I keep telling my friends, I'm like, listen, Matt Rule is a sweet ass dude, and my buddy played for him at Temple. And uh, I hear great things. And then P.J. Walker had a great season in the XFL. Nobody's, you know, nobody's looking at him to do anything. And he's going to come in and, like, if he does sort of what he did in the XFL, everybody's going to be all over P.J. Walker, like, by week three. 
I'm hoping. That's what the XFL can do it for you, you know? So. Yep. Yep. It's a great, uh, it was a great league. It was a great time. And, uh, Matt, this has been an awesome podcast, man. Um, Again, thank you for giving us your time. Love thank the you. underrated hour. Uh, tell tell our listeners one last time how can they check out your podcast, man? What's the best way to yeah, keep up with it? We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're on YouTube. Uh, you know, right now we uh, you know we do one episode a week. Um, you know, usually have a guest every week. Um, you know, and it's a different guest every week. You know, like I said, we've had some people in the wrestling business. We've had, you know. Um, you know, Jason Fitz of ESPN on, we've had James Franklin on, um, you know, we've had, he went to my high school. He's in the Chamonix okay. high school and okay. he, was, he was the coach there and player that went to school there. And now he's the man. Um, but yeah, we've had, you know, Derek Carr on, um, uh, you know, uh, big 10, uh, network analyst, Howard Griffith, you know what I mean? So we've had, you know, a lot of people involved with football, some people involved with wrestling, um, you know, so, we're trying to change the guests up, you know, every week, trying to make it a little bit different. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you know, um, one episode a week. So like I said, the underrated hour, Apple podcast, Spotify, and, uh, and YouTube. Awesome. Well guys, I'm going to put that, the link to the YouTube and the Apple podcast. It'll be in the show notes this week. So make sure you check that out. And, uh, Matt, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, hey, thanks guys. Really appreciate it.